Hey, good morning, Faith Church. It's it's great to be with you again. Thanks, Pastor Derek, for uh, inviting me to come and be with you. We love uh, Derek and Amy and their family, as we know you do, and we just continue to pray for God's continued blessings upon all of you there at Faith Church. Um, Derek and I have been buddies for uh, for a number of years now, and uh, the only regret I have about my relationship with Derek is that in all the years we've been friends, I have not yet been able to convert him to become a San Diego Padre fan. And I'm, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep praying that one of these days that God helps him to see the light. Hey, um, grab your Bible and open up with me, would you, to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Um Hebrews 13, I've been reading through the book of Hebrews during this coronavirus season that we're in, and, and I know that you've been reading and studying in Hebrews chapter 11 here recently. And, and you know, in those first 12 chapters of Hebrews, the author just goes out of his way to demonstrate and to show us the, the superiority of Jesus Christ, how he's better than the angels, how Jesus is better than Moses, how Jesus is better than any priest. He's better than the high priest. And how his blood is better by far than the blood of bulls and goats. And how faith in him is better than all else. And so 12 chapters, he's been going on this way. And then we come, and I came in my reading, to chapter 13. And in chapter 13, the writer based on everything he's written in those first 12 chapters, begins to give some very practical commands and, and, and words and thoughts for us to ponder and for us to obey. And, and one of those commands have, has been bothering me. It's gotten inside of me, and I've been wrestling with God about it and about what it means and for my life. And, and I want to share with you the journey that I'm on uh, with this little nugget from Hebrews chapter 13. So we're going to look at three verses. The third verse is the verse that we're really going to hunker down on. So let's take a look at it. Hebrews 13, now uh, the writer says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And, and, and this is a command. We call it an imperative. It's an order. Uh, you know, when you want your kids to take the trash out. Uh, you do it nicely, but, but you don't say, hey, if you like sometime the next week or two, would you take the trash out? That's a suggestion. But a command is, and we can do it very kindly, but hey, it's time to take the trash out. And when we come to passages of scripture that are commands, they're not suggestions, they're orders for us to follow. And so the first one we find, there's three of them, three separate verses here, but the first one is that we're to love each other like brothers and sisters. Now this, I wish we had time, that's a whole nother sermon. Uh, but look at verse two. This, the second verse gives us a, a second command, imperative or an order. And he says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, I don't think the writer is saying 
hey, be, be hospitable because one of these days you might hit the jackpot and angels might show up at your house. And indeed they might. Uh, but I, I think rather he's saying, hey, it's not likely that angels will ever eat your um, smoked pork ribs or your kale salad. But what he's trying to influence us, us, to, us to understand is that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And oftentimes, this has been our experience and your experience too, when we're generous, when we open our hearts and our homes and our lives to others, we end up receiving more blessing than the visitors that come to our home. So he's saying, he's commanding, be generous and open your hearts and open your lives and open your families and open your homes. Now, uh, let's zero in on the passage, on the verse that we want to look at and concentrate and that God's been working and drilling down in my life. It's verse three. The writer says, Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as, you, as if you yourselves were suffering. There's just one verb, one command in this whole sentence, and it is to continue to remember. Now, we need to think about what this word remember means. Remember doesn't mean that I remember pi to the ninth place or the date that uh, America began, 1776. It's not only about knowledge. That's part of remembering, of course. But it's remembering that prompts us to action. Now, one of the things that we husbands ought to continue to, to remember is our wedding anniversaries. Now, imagine uh, your wedding anniversary comes. It's a Saturday. You're around the house in the morning. You take the kids to their soccer games. You, on the way home, you, you stop at Taco Bell and grab some lunch for the kids and come home and you do some yard work. And um, then it's about dinner time. And you notice that because you're so insightful and in tune, you notice your wife has been kind of chilly toward you today. And that as she's fixing up dinner, uh, that some pots and pans are kind of a little louder than they normally are. And finally, you sit down at the table and, and it's chilly around the table. And finally, out, out of your sensitivity, you know, you say, uh, uh, hey, what's wrong? And your wife says, hey, today's our anniversary and you didn't remember it. And you say to her, yes, I remembered it. And I want to say to you right now. Happy anniversary, and could you please pass the ketchup? Now, you see, that's a kind of remembering that your wife will remember for a long time. But the kind of remembering that we're talking about here is this remembering, this getting inside of your mind in a way that will stimulate you to action, to spur you on to care and to, to, to put feet to what it is that you remember. So it's an order for us to continue to remember. Um, and and, and our, our, our writer here is telling us to continue to remember, see it there in verse three, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. Those little words, 
as if or as though you were right there with them in prison, in, in their hurt. He wants us to remember people who suffer, in this case, particularly those in prison, as if we were imprisoned with them, as, we, as if we felt the same pain that they felt. And they could be all kinds of prisoners, uh, prisoners for their faith, or prisoners because of their political views, or prisoners because they came from another country, or prisoners because they've been unjustly accused, or prisoners because they're guilty, or political prisoners. Now, it's interesting that the verse, as it goes on, it expands who we're to constantly remember in a way that stimulates us to action beyond just prisoners. Notice what the rest of the verse says. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. So it's not just those who are in prison, but he widens it, it expands those that we're to remember in such a way that we take action, that we're compelled or urged or, or spurred to take action on their behalf. And so we're to remember all those who are mistreated, uh, people around us in our world who are pushed around or, or who are oppressed or who are abused or who are abandoned or who were disenfranchised. And we're to remember them in a way as if we were in their shoes, as if we sat where they sat, as if we suffered what they were suffering, feeling as most the best we can of what they feel. I think what the writer is trying to tell us is that it's like we're duct taped together like we're Velcroed together. And so when someone else, someone that suffers, someone that's in prison, someone that's mistreated suffers, that we're to remember them in such a way that it's like we've been duct taped together and what they feel, we feel. That's what I think God's trying to send them, this message to this thick skull of me, that, that, that their pain is our pain. Their their disappointments are, are my disappointments. Their being bullied is my being bullied. The, I'm reading out of the NIV, but in the, in, the ESV says something very interesting here. It says to, to remember though, constantly remember those who are, have been mistreated as if you were in the body. And, and what, what the, the, the ESV is trying to say is, is imagine that you're, in their skin. Imagine that you're in their skeleton. Imagine that you're in their nervous system. Imagine that you're in their brain, that you've become one with them. And, and, and so that you can begin to, not exactly, of course, but you can begin to feel what they feel and experience what they've, what they've experienced. Those in prison for all kinds of reasons and then for all those who are mistreated. Some of you know that um, for the last about five or six years, I've been working with a small group of pastors from the United Kingdom and the U.S., and we, over a three-year period, uh, train about 28 uh, Zambian, Zambia, Africa, Zambian pastors 
in how to study and to teach God's word. And then they pass that training on to others. And uh, the coronavirus uh, has uh, wracked havoc on an already weak economy all around the world. And because I'm familiar with Zambia, I know the cases there. And as, I, as we talk uh, and text with our pastors there, we're not able to be there now, of course. Uh, boy, things have just been difficult. Uh, their income source, their meager in some in, income sources have been come dry, and uh, food has become scarce, and it's become expensive, and a, uh, an already very weak medical system has become very fragile in these days. Well, a couple of families from our church uh, became aware of the precarious, difficult situation that uh, our pastors are in, in there in Zambia. And they decided all on their own, without a drive or a campaign, that they wanted to give money to help alleviate the suffering uh, that our pastors were going through, to alleviate in some ways. And as, as I talked to a couple of these families who approached me, um, I said, what is it that's motivating you to do that? And they said, we've begun to think what it would be like to be in their skin. We've begun to think about what it would be like to be in their bodies, what it would be like to live in their villages, to live in their towns, to suffer the way they have. And we were moved as we remembered them in those ways. And, and I just want to tell you, was, they gathered up a little money and we sent it and it helped to bring great relief and uh, alleviated some of the difficulties that they've been having. But I want to tell you about one family in particular. It's a family, young family, um, uh, just regular income, five kids. And they were so moved by their remembering these Zambia pastors that they chose to give half of their government stimulus checks that most all of us receive from the government. They wanted to give half of their stimulus checks to these pastors who were suffering because they felt like they were suffering with them. You see, they remembered that they were duct taped together with these brothers and these sisters, these pastors that they were aware of. Now, I've been bothered by this verse, verse, uh, verse thir uh, chapter 13, verse 3, and it's, it, it's kind of drilled its way like a dentist, kind of drilled its way down inside of me. And, and I've come up with a word that's helped me to encapsulate the verse. Uh, and it's a word that, that I'm short on and that I need more of. And it might be a word that, uh, that you're short on and, and, and need more of. And, and, and it's, it's a word, it's a, it's a concept uh, that, 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 that we need to be more free to give to others. And, and I think we, need to, we, we all desire to have more of it given to us. And the word is that I think that pictures this whole verse, verse 3, is the word empathy. The word empathy. I think that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to push me toward and to push you toward. Whether it's prisoners, for whatever reason, or anyone who's mistreated, or anyone who suffers in any way, anyone that I don't understand, anyone that's broken, anyone that I find difficult to live with. And I don't know about you, but you know, during the coronavirus and and, and some of the issues that have been surrounding that, the death of uh, George Floyd, you know, there's a lot of opinions and a lot of viewpoints. And, and sometimes 
I don't, I don't agree with other folks. And, 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 and my natural reaction is to become angry with them or become frustrated with them. And I, I need to feel more empathy toward those who are in prison and those who are mistreated and those who, who have different opinions than I have as well. It doesn't mean that I need to agree with them, but I need to, to have empathy and understanding with them. To, to, and, and this empathy, it's, it's a God-given gift that helps us to begin to experience what the other person has experienced and is experiencing where we walk down the road with the, our, 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 our friends and even with our enemies. And, and we begin to ask ourselves in prayer, what, what, is it, what is it that's going on inside of that person? What does that other person feel? What have they experienced in their life that maybe has caused them to act or to react this way? What, what is it that's going on? And, and I, I think that's what's behind this first, what, what are the things that have disappointed this person in life? What are, what are, their, what are their hopes? What have, they, what have they suffered? What's the immigrant suffered? Or what's the misunderstood person suffered? Or the forgotten person suffered? Um, the, the person who sees life very differently than I have. What's happened in their lives, good or bad, to bring them to this point? And I think they begin to think... Um, think what they might be thinking. And it's amazing when we do that, how it begins to change us and our attitude toward them. And as I begin to think about what kind of encouragement would really encourage that person, or what kind of care, or how could I demonstrate loving them, as verse 1 said, or being hospitable toward them, as verse 2 said, this empathy, I, I, I get it from the, this first three, but particularly those words, as though. Continue to remember those in prison as though or as if you were in prison with them and those that are mistreated, as if. You see, it, it, what we need to remember or think about is that it's as if we're Velcroed together, as if we're duct taped together. People of color or people who who come from a very different socioeconomical background than I do, um, who've had a, had a very experienced many different things in life. How can I grow in empathy for them? How can I take verse 3 and apply it to my life and my relationships and our world today to continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in their prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. I want to share with you a story. It's a story that's in process. It's not finished yet. It doesn't have a, a happy ending yet, but I'm praying that it will. I have a friend, and he's been a friend for many years, and I um, unknowingly offended him. And when I found out that I'd offended him, I, I went to him and, and uh, spoke to him and asked for his forgiveness. Uh, but as oftentimes is the case, sadly, but it's human nature, is he held a grievance against me. And so for many months, he's been holding a grudge against me. And I've 
tried to approach him and I've contacted him and uh, tried to talk to others about how, you know, could they help to uh, bridge this relationship? Because I, I really love this guy. And, um, and, 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 and yet nothing happened. And so over the months, something began to happen in me. And that is that his grudge keeping allowed me to become hard toward him. It caused me to become, um, to, to nurse difficult, hard feelings toward him and to, um, uh, to, to desire, um, I, I, I almost was at the point of just saying, I just kind of give up on this relationship. And, 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 I, and I didn't look at him with eyes of grace like I used to. And so um, I decided as I read Hebrews 13.3 that I needed to start praying for him because in a way he was in a prison. He was trapped with the, this grievance that he was holding against me. And so I began to pray for him. And as I read this passage, this verse, I started to think, well, what would it look like for me to be empathetic, to, to be as if, as if I was Velcroed to him, as if I were duct taping? What would that look like? And, and what is it that he feels? What did my, 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 my offense against him, what did that feel like to him? And what is it in his life that caused him to react the way he did and to, to respond and to continue to hold that? What, what was that? What's happened in his life, the, the good things and the bad things and disappointments? And what did this remind him of in his life? And, you know, the, the coolest thing is, as I ask God to give me new love and new empathy for this brother, God did just that. As I began to walk with him in his shoes without him even being present. And I don't know all the answers to all those questions. But as I began to act as if. I was in his suffering with him. God began to change me, and God began to give me a new tenderness and a new warmth toward him. And it was, and 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 I began to desire that relationship again. And I, I got, began to get new feelings about him. I missed him, and 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 I longed to be around him again. And so, so I just want to let you know I've contacted him again, and um, and I'm just hoping and praying. That as I even in my contacting him, that my that my tone and my posture will be one not of we got to get this thing fixed, but but hey, I, I, I I've caused you to suffer and I'm I'm sorry about that. Let could we talk about these things? And I'm I think that's one reason God had me reading Hebrews chapter thirteen, and it might be one reason that God had me to preach Hebrews thirteen verse three for you today. Empathy, empathy. And I'll tell you, I got a pretty good idea that your spouse would really love more empathy from you. And I bet your kids would. And I bet your neighbors would. And I bet your enemies, your enemies who are big or small, or people who are different from you, or people that you disagree with, I bet they would really be nourished and encouraged as you 
stepped back like I want to step back and say, God, what's it feel like to be that other person? What are they experiencing? What are they feeling inside of them? Now, I just need to tell you, I've been preaching at you here for quite a while, opening God's word with you for quite a while. And now I want to just tell you, you can't do this. You can't, you can't become empathy because our old sinful nature just continues to turn in on ourselves. It just really does. But you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have one living inside of you who is, who is empathetic because it's Jesus who on that cross, Luke chapter 23, verse 34, as those men nailed him to the cross, as they were his enemies, as he was suffering there, he had empathy for them. And we know he did because of his beautiful prayer for them. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's the power for you and for me to grow in empathy like Jesus grew, was, like Jesus was full of empathy. And he lives inside of you today. And he gives you the desire to be empathetic toward other people. And he gives you the power to be empathetic, to, as Hebrews says, continue to remember those who are in prison as if, as if you were Velcroed together. Remember those in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering.